Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. All right, we are back again <laughs> in Making Data Simple. Thanks to all the listeners, of course, as always. Today I have Petra Bure. Did I get the the last name? No, I didn't. Yes, did absolutely. I? Oh, I did. That's fine. Right. That's fine. <laughs> well, is it fine or is it? Did I get it right? You I said. I think you got it right. I mean, for U.S. speaking people, it was perfect. I recall once someone told Petra Bure, "Oh, do you brew beer?" I was like, "No, I don't <laughs> brew beer." But thank you. Okay. All right. I, look, I'm doing my best. All right. So. I'm going to call you Petra. How's that? Can I call you by That's first name? Perfect. We'll go for, well, first name. So Petra, she is a technical sales technology infrastructure leader in DOC. For those of you who don't know, DOC is Germany. That's where you sit today, yes? We're in Germany? It's not just Germany, actually. DOC stands for Germany, That's Austria, true. and Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> but you sit in Germany, right? I sit in Germany. That is correct. All right. She is the board. <laughs> this is good. See, it's already starting just like I thought it was. <laughs> Uh, she's a board member of the TEC doc. So we'll get to that in a minute. A quantum ambassador, which we'll also talk about. But if I give her a, a bit of her bio, she is driving what we call IBM power, IBM storage, IBM cloud business in IBM doc, which is more than Germany <laughs> from a technical sales perspective. As I've already mentioned she is a certified IBM Quantum Ambassador. We'll have to figure out what that means. Thank you, Petra. We've been talking about having this or having you here for a bit. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. It's always great to have an opportunity to talk about great technology such as IBM infrastructure. I know. Well, so let's let's <laughs> let me start. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give the backstory to this. So, first of all, I talk. I used to, when I first started the podcast, we talked a lot about IBM. And then I think over the last probably two years, I've been doing this for a while now. It's crazy, but like five years or something. But of the last two years, we've started, we've pivoted. And I would say 80 to 90% are like other areas outside of IBM, whether it's just technology, whether it's startups, yep. whether it's leadership, on and on. As part of the backstory, so I go to Germany. I'm visiting with a team because if you listen to the podcast, you know, I lead technical sales worldwide. I have a one-on-one a -on -one with Petra and I'm going to dramatize this a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> She's like, That's okay. you guys, you would never talk about power and storage and all the great infrastructure we have, which I don't know is exactly true, but here's what I will say is on my podcast, fair enough. I do talk a lot about software a lot about AI. I love power. I love storage. Uh, I love Z. I love mainframes. I think they're all sexy. I said, well, you got to come out and you got to talk to it then. She said, bring it, bring it. Let's talk about infrastructure. So that is why you're here today. And I, we're going to learn from you. And I, I'm taking my lashings because I think they're well founded. Thank you. And I really appreciate that. So I feel very honored, very few IBM speakers uh, and uh, you have me on here and I can talk about infrastructure. So that's, that's awesome. All right. Before we talk about infrastructure though, you have to uh, tell me about yourself. I mean, what's your, what's your history? Why are you at IBM? If you could just give us that history, I'd love it. 
absolutely. So I'm I'm with IBM now more than 15 years, um, having worked in, in different areas, spending, development, offering management, sales, tech sales, but all these different roles had one in common, and that was I could always work on great technology and with amazing people. Uh, so, so, so that I love. And what brought me here, uh, I'm not sure if I can fully answer that question, but let's go a little bit back in time when I was a, let's say, 10-year-old girl. Um, wow. We had some boys in the neighborhood that used to play computer games, which was not usual at the time in the 90s. And um, one, one of them let me try it out, showed me how to start it. And one day gave me a floppy disk with ducktails on it. I took it home. My dad allowed me to use his PC. I put the floppy disk in, started this with a DOS command and off I went. Uh, the next couple of years, my dad brought home a couple of CD-ROMs with computer games from some conference. And I thought, well, actually they're great things you can do with a computer. And uh, fast forward, when I graduated from school, I really had no idea what I want to be when I, I'm grown up. Uh, and after some discussions with my parents, I thought, well, I'll just go with business informatics because there are so many things I can do and various direction I, I, can, I can turn afterwards. And that brought me first to SAP and then to IBM where I'm still happy now. So you started early. Petra was born with the floppy disk. That's what I needed to know. Very good. I got to tell you, Petra is like the coolest name. Is, is it common? Is it common in Germany? Actually, it, it's funny you say that because what I used to get when I was a little bit younger than I was, oh, Petra, that's such a grandma name. So I think there are a lot of Petras in Germany that are quite a bit older than me. So in, in my age and, and people that are younger, it's not the most fancy name. So I appreciate that even more than you think I have. Cool I name. like it. <laughs> Look, I have the name Albert. They say the same thing about my name and probably for, for good reason. Uh, when people see me, they're like, you're Albert? <laughs> it doesn't match always. But that's okay. I like the name. I'm, the, I'm actually the fifth. That's what people don't know. So I've got, I'm like. Al the fifth. Like, yes, exactly right. I, I didn't meet number one, but I've known the, the others. Uh, okay. But I, I did look up the, the name Petra, by the way, because I was interested. Uh, two things I learned. One is it mean, it's, a, it's a Greek word that Correct. means stone or rock. You already knew this. Yes, so, of course. Do you think stone? <laughs> do you think stone or rock describes you? I would say this would not be the full description, but to, to, <laughs> to, to some degree, because I mean, now we would need to talk about characteristics of a stone or rock, right? And one is it sits there, and whatever storm comes, it's still there and stands, and that is, I think, a characteristic that I definitely have. Some of the others, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> Well, when I think stone or rock, I think something that's very aggressive, very like, hey, this is my values. I'm sticking by them. So I, I don't know. Uh, what I know of you, I think that fits pretty well. And uh, I did look at, you're right, from 1880 to 1951, much more popular. And I think it hit its high in 1929. Glad we went through that little segment. All right. So tell us a little bit about your role and then I'm going to probably jump right into to power. I want to, I got some questions for you, but tell us the role that you hold today. 
Well, you, you briefly introduced it, right? So I'm driving the power storage in cloud business in, in IBM Germany, uh, Austria and Switzerland from technical sales perspective. And what I really like about this role is I always like to work on the bigger picture, right? Just not on a specific thing. And this role allows me to work with different technologies with different type of people and team bring together these people and it's a little bit unique right because in IBM as in so many other enterprises right uh, there are always areas that people work in and not so many that work across those as a as an official role so to speak so I feel honored to have uh, such a role and bring these type of topics together and what I really like is I mean a lot of our customers right do not only have a power system, do not only have storage, or do not only want to consume cloud, but all of it. And it's just great to show and demonstrate the value um, combining all of that and the synergies that come with it. So that's, that's what I like about my role in terms of technology. And then of course, the other component, I care about people. Uh, it's a leadership position and I really like to develop the people in my area, to support them grow. Uh, so this is uh, two important angles of my position that I really like. This is why I love IBM, because I meet people like you and you're so passionate. When we met and we sat and they did the one-on-one -on -one, and you rightly said, more power, more <laughs> infrastructure. You were that rock. Uh, that <laughs> is, you know, that's, that's fantastic. And that's why I said we have to to have you here. So let's talk about, let's talk about power. We'll go into storage and we'll go over where you, I'm going to talk about some quantum too today, because that's kind of fun. But look, you're preaching to the choir here, obviously, but I want you to talk to the folks that are listening. I think power being the most powerful processor IBM has, has built, Power 10 specifically as of, as of late, um, I think it was introduced in the seventies. It often doesn't get, I don't, what I want to say, credit or something, because it it's kind of, I don't want to say it's in the shadows, but it's in, it, it makes everything work. Why don't you think, let, let's start there. Why don't you think power gets the fanfare that you're seeing every, everywhere else? I mean, some of it's obvious like AI and stuff, but why don't you think it gets some of the fanfare? I think this could be one of my questions, right? And not just for power, but for infrastructure in general, I think it's true for infrastructure in general, that it's not this new shiny thing that everyone want to talk about wants to talk about right now and um, like other topics but why should it i mean it plays such an important role uh, even today i mean all the applications out there the software the workload even the cloud has to run somewhere and in most cases it's some sort of it infrastructure a server or a, another computing device and what i always like to do is to compare it to security or let's say use security as an example because i mean your security solution your security posture is only as good as your weakest link so if you think about your whole computing stack i mean if your infrastructure is not secure if your infrastructure is not reliable efficient sustainable there's only so much you can do with the software running on top so the infrastructure is a foundation of all of that really matters. And this is why I like working on infrastructure and excited about. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but I still, I got you and I, no disagreement. It, it is amazing to me. It doesn't get more fanfare because look, all the things that are priorities in the market today, infrastructure, at least IBM infrastructure really backs. So like energy efficiency, like 
scalability uh, across multiple clouds, by example. AI, inference, uh, security, you just mentioned it, encryption at the core. Just step, take a step back. Let's say the, the listener doesn't know anything about IBM Power. Describe IBM Power in your simple terms. I think one, one piece of it, sometimes it can get pretty technical. People, particularly IBMers, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of a lot of acronyms and stuff. No, in I won't. <laughs> yeah. in, in simple terms. So maybe let's spin the question in the direction. So why do you need IBM Power, right? Okay. I mean, I always put it this way that IBM Power is a computing infrastructure that was designed for mission-critical workloads, which means it brings all that's needed to do that. So it comes with superior reliability, security, sustainability, and flexibility. And the latter, I mean, it's not just because of the fast and faster changing business needs today or the digital transformation. But I mean, most projects are, or enterprise in general are running out there, spend multiple environments, and you want to be flexibly moving around your resources and sizing them up and down without having technicians come moving cables, bringing up and down the <laughs> server. And this is uh, what power brings to the table. Um, it was designed for big databases. I mean, we talk about data, right? Data is the new goal. It's like an old uh, slogan already. And that data sits in big databases. And that's why Power is so great working together with Oracle, with SAP HANA and others. And the last one, and that's very often underestimated, I would say, is the integration. Because all, if you look at the power computing stack, all the components are built for each other. They are co-optimized. And with that, you can achieve much better results. And no matter if you talk about security, reliability, efficiency, and sustainability. So instead of purchasing all the piece parts uh, from all kinds of vendors, hardware here, firmware there, brain system here, and then put them together and make them work together similar efficient, similar secure, similar reliable is a hard task to do. And this is what power brings to the table. That in simple terms without too much technique. <laughs> well, let me let me ask a question, a follow-on and take it a different direction. This is meant to provoke a little bit for the users out there. So don't take offense to it. But if I'm a naysayer, I'd say, hey, you know, power is kind of a commodity. Well, what does IBM do different? What's the differentiator? What you say I get but, you know, I can get some, there's other competitors out there. What does IBM do differently? Well, I think uh, the last topic I talked about, the integration one, that's really one key differentiator. And I mean, I can only, and what I always like to do is, right, use some client stories. And what I've seen it. in the last one and a half and two years in terms of ransomware attacks and saw clients that had a ransomware attack and the only environment that kept running and being unaffected was the power environment. I mean, this is a bold statement. Unfortunately, of course, none of these customers would do a case study or reference, right? I would love to do that. That is a problem. But this that is, is a just, problem, yeah. That is just <laughs> amazing to me and shows, yes, we do some things differently uh, and Kate can have a real impact, right? Any other like use case examples that you'd specifically want to discuss or 
Uh, that, that... Well, not really. I mean, the security one is one example, right? I mean, flexibility in hybrid cloud is a different one. And I mean, I can't talk too much about what's coming in the future, but I think it's just amazing what we've done in the last several years in terms of flexible consumption on-prem and where we are going with as a service. So I encourage everyone, stay tuned what's coming up later this year. But I mean, it's not that common that customers can use the same infrastructure on-premises in their data center if they would like to, the same is available uh, off-premises uh, via public cloud with a more or less um, yeah, similar or same consumption model and be very flexible and you can basically decide, uh, do you want to use your resources on-prem right now or in the cloud? And of course, clients want to do the one versus the other for various reasons. So that's another uh, other thing that I I see power being very strong in. I want to drill down on a couple areas that that I have questions on. Can you yep. talk about what kind of encryption and and you know some of the security features we have? I, I, I can I can talk about it. Important to have your data encrypted. And what we did with Power Ten is memory encryption, right? And some people might say, well, what does this help me for cyber resilience? And as so often, what they do in IBM is preparing for future technologies. So there are more and more adapters you can put in your power server that are hot pluggable, right? So if someone walks into your data center and some people might say, oh, that would never happen. But I mean, they're insider attacks and others. So imagine someone walks in, pulls out uh, an adapter and walks away with the data. So it, it'll be better be encrypted, right? Um, so that is my story uh, to the memory encryption portion <laughs> that we brought with Power 10. But just in general, and that's back to the other strengths that we have on Power, right? I mean, no one will use our encryption if it doesn't perform well. So there's a lot of work that goes into efficiency and performance in that because no one will use the encryption technology if it takes a huge amount of compute of your system that you need to pay for. So a lot of work went into that. Uh, Power 10, right, when, when we launched Power 10, we had various pillars that we talked about where we are strong in, right? Security, sustainability, reliability, hybrid cloud, AI. And the number one requested session was no longer security, but sustainability. So, I mean, I think I talk about infrastructure sustainability at least once, if not twice a week uh, externally. Um, and I was at a customer briefing that was Cross infrastructure in, in December. I talked about our sustainability story, um, talked a little bit about Z, a little bit about power, storage, and cloud. And in the end, one guy said, well, why don't we use power for our Oracle workloads? And I was like, exactly. That is my question. <laughs> because yes, we have big power systems but they're very efficient and much more sustainable than having a farm of hundreds of tiny uh, competitor systems, I would say, right? So um, actually customers can save a whole lot of energy and systems consolidating the various workloads from hundreds of tiny systems onto one power server. What about the uh, cost benefit that you're kind of looking at? I think others could look at power and say, hey, it's, it's too costly. I could go with Speaking of commodity, a ton of commodity software to, to kind of aggregate and, and pull in a, a warehouse someplace and it's all good. What's your comment that to that? question? Actually, I get a lot uh, and I, <laughs> I used to get a lot. I mean, the problem is always, right, we're in fast living times or however you call it, right? So a lot of people just look at the TCA, right? So what is the cost of acquisition? 
And yes, a power server can look kind of costly compared to um, commodity competition. But if you really look at more the TCO, like the cost you really have for the whole life cycle, I mean, this is why our customers buy power. I mean, of course, for the benefits that we talked about, but as well um, for for the uh, cost attractiveness, I would say, depending on what workloads you look at. And as you might imagine, going back to the efficiency topic, if you can do the same work with way less servers, you do not only need to purchase less servers, but you need less energy to run them, to cool them. And I mean, if you can can consolidate all kind of database instances down to a view, you can save a whole lot on software licenses. And some of the database providers have quite a high cost on uh, database <laughs> licenses, right? So if you can cut that down significantly, that can save you a ton of money. I'm putting you on the spot, but is there? I, there's obviously an ROI that puts all these factors into play. But is there any analogy that you have that says, hey, look, one power ser- server equals X number of commodity servers. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer from an investment perspective. I actually was involved in a, in a deal uh, two years ago when I had my worldwide power sales role where we did consolidate more than 120 systems um, being a mix of I mean, I just call it um, uh, of x86 systems, of Oracle exadatas, of Oracle ODAs, down to three power nine high-end systems at the time. And how um, many were there to begin with? More than 120. And uh, actually, at that point in time, sustainability was one topic, but actually the customer had a different challenge they bought a z a mainframe wanted to roll it in into their data center but they were maxed out they could not roll in their new system and then we said right well let's look at your infrastructure right we contemplate these 120 systems on the three power systems we could bring down energy consumption 70 percent it was uh, and there was no issue at all and they had had room for future growth so that's, that's funny. my example <laughs> Their their, uh, facilities folks were probably like, hey, what are we going to do with all this space? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that reminds me of this commercial that I actually didn't know until a lot of my uh, uh, colleagues that are at ABM for a long time where we had this commercial. Where are my servers? And there was just a single server sitting in a big room. Do you know this commercial? (laughs) Yes. I was like, uh, oh. (laughs) What about AI? What makes power well-suited for AI inference, AI models, et cetera? That's a good question. And I know a lot of people were not amused about our strategy change a couple of years back, right? When we had our TPU systems with, with Power9 and, and changed the direction with Power10. And when we launched Power10, everyone talked about MMA. A technology that the hardware provides to basically accelerate um, AI operations on the chip, mm-hmm. right? And as so often, we come up with great technology in the hardware when we launch it, but the real value comes after when more and more applications start to exploit it, when there's more software using it, which uh, was taking place the last couple of years. And by now, um, with Qflow, we have a whole orchestration of the whole life cycle. So yes, you can train on Power10. Uh, you can do inferencing on Power10. We have model 
portability, uh, we support the most common frameworks and libraries. And when looking at how did our customers use the Power9 GPU systems, in 90, 95% of the cases, these GPUs were not needed for what our customers wanna do. Uh, and most use cases can just be addressed with a usual CPU and the acceleration now we put on the power temp chip. That would be that's my take on it. That is the MMA technology on chip. Um, I presume power's biggest competitor is really just commodities, putting a lot of stuff together and trying to emulate well, I what would one say server these would do. Days, biggest competitors is hyperscalers because everyone talks cloud, right? So that would be my my take on it. Yeah. Any th that's a good point. Anything that you want to mention on cloud? I mean, in terms of the the fit for purpose of power and cloud. I mean, first of all, I think power was designed for cloud, right? We could do cloud in customers' data centers way before others talked about cloud with live participant mobility, working, moving workloads around without bringing system down. For several years now, we made power available um, in the IBM cloud. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so off-premises with the same rock-solid infrastructure and what we're doing now that I touched on earlier, right, is bring even more flexible licensing to customer's data center. We made a lot available already, but more to come. So that would be my take in terms of power and cloud. We are hybrid uh, and wherever clients want to run power, they can. Would you say we've always been hybrid or do you think recent changes in the technology have made it quote unquote more hybrid? I mean, cause to your point, you could make the case that Z, you could make the case that, uh, uh, power, storage. Look, we were doing cloud in data centers before it was it was the thing. It was, that's what it is. It's a cloud data center. I mean, but Correct. are there changes? Is, is there additional changes you'd, you'd say, well, yeah, yes, but we've added X, Y, and Z? I think, I mean, this would take too much time to talk about what all we added the last several years. But yes, I think we did and continue to do more and more to make, well, I'm not sure I love the word, but to make it frictionless, right? To work between mm -hmm. the both on-premises and off-premise environment. We are way better like with cloud images so you can get up and running fairly quickly. If you want to export an image from what you're running in your data center somewhere off-prem in the clouds, so we made a lot available. Um, more to be done and more to come. Very good. All right, let's, let's pivot to storage. Why is storage important? I mean, why is IBM storage important? Goes back to the integration point I talked about uh, in, in the power space. We have an integrated hardware and software storage portfolio that allows us to address more or less any scenario that customers are asking for, ranging from block storage, object storage, cloud storage, uh, storage for containers. Um, we have backup solutions for both primary and secondary storage. And the integration, orchestration, and automation, I think, is a key part to provide customers, for instance, we talked about ransomware, a compelling cyber resilience solution, right? So what happens if a customer has a ransomware breach um, and IBM Storage brings capability both in the hardware but as well in the complete stack to help these customers be up and running again much, I mean, first of all, at all, but much more quickly 
I think there's a lot of folks out there that, that would probably say, ah, storage is ubiquitous. I mean, we're just like, we got these storage farms. It'll be just taken care of. You know, it's commodity now. We can replace this and that. But could you talk about how we're kind of offloading a lot of the stuff we would do in the CPU? Can you, can you say a few words? Of course. I mean, the question is where we look at, but that comes back to what I talked about integration and co-optimization, right? I mean, um, we have a hardware and software portfolio. We have servers as well. Of course, not all the customers have a power server and a storage server, right? They might have competitive servers as well. But what we always look at at IBM is where can we optimize further? Is it better to do it in the system? Is it better to do things closer at the storage side? What are the benefits? And I mean, some of the technology really see a revival, I call it. Let's just talk about tape. I mean, when I studied at university, everyone said, ah, tape is dead, you know. Then I started yeah. in mainframe development, looked at the tape roboter, I thought, oh, okay, that's what tape is dead. And today, tape is such an amazing <laughs> technology because it's the most efficient one going back to the sustainability portion because it's offline storage and it's the most secure one because it's offline so it's true air gap so no ransomware attack can decrypt your tape data sitting somewhere on a tape um in in a location so that's that's you know my take. um actually it's kind of an interesting point i think people look at tape i mean like is is old stuff. I mean, they're probably thinking they're cassette tapes or whatever they used to listen to music to. But yeah. why do they continue to persist? You talk about commodity hardware, you can't have it both ways. Meaning some of the hardware you have today is commodity. Like it lasts like five years. We have Correct. tapes that have been around that are still magnetic tapes that, you know, can, can withstand many years. I mean, they go way back. I mean, that's one reason, but other reasons, I mean, I just find it interesting. Yeah, I, I think these two, I just slightly touched on, I think the efficiency one, right? From a sustainability perspective, I mean, we all have the pressure looking at climate change, what we can do um, to, to reduce energy consumption worldwide, storage is growing and growing and it's such, just such an efficient storage technology. And I was amazed. I was visiting our research lab in Zurich uh, towards end of last year and was able to visit the tape lab. I mean, it's amazing what they are working on there to further develop tape um, and, yeah. and its power, how much can be saved on such a tape, how the tapes are being handled. Um, so that is one. The other one is, as mentioned, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's very secure, right? It's true air gapped. And I mean, if you look out there, um, I mean, IBM is more or less the only left um, tape provider. And that's why we shipped trucks and trucks of tape to hyperscalers and, and other um, uh, platforms so they can save their huge amounts of data on. I think you hit the second one. There was two. The, the second one I was, is the air gap environment. People forget about that. That's where tape really comes in. And if you're a mission critical business, which most enterprise businesses are. I would say so, yes. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to have a strategy there or you're really rolling the dice. You're really rolling the dice. And you already yeah. said it. It doesn't matter. Block storage, file storage, anything else that uh, you want to say about IBM storage that differentiates IBM in the market? 
Well, I guess I, I touched on the key points. I think one thing I, I think I want to emphasize is the whole notion around more focus on storage software, right? I mean, one of our flagship offerings is, is IBM Fusion, which is more or less a container storage solution for, for, for containers, so right at OpenShift. Um, and I just see a lot going on in the storage software space. Podcast listeners, we're going to break here, continue with Petra next week with infrastructure, and then we're going to dive into quantum. Thanks. See you next week.